Hi, everyone. Welcome to the History Respawn podcast. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. Today's episode is a discussion episode, uh, and our particular subject for today is my syllabus for a new history and video games course that I'm teaching this fall at Louisiana Tech University. And the course is entitled Playing the Past, Presenting History Through Video Games. And I just thought I'd kind of go through and talk a little bit about why I'm interested in teaching this class, uh, what I hope to get out of it, and uh, what I hope to teach the students in particular. Uh, but before I do that, I'd like to say hi to my partner, John Harney. Hey, John. Hey, Bob. Hey, everybody. So kind of a backstory behind this class. I've been wanting to teach a course like this for a while. And basically since I started doing History Respawn in 2013. And so throughout the years, I've been kind of trying to come up with a type of course. And I'd actually been looking for courses like this online. And one of the ones that I had come up was actually John's course, uh, which he taught uh, Center College, I think the past two years, right, John? That's right. January of 2015 and January of 2016. That's right. Yeah. So... Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that once we get to uh, get through with mine. But uh, anyways, uh, I'd seen John doing that, and, and I kind of shamelessly cribbed quite a bit uh, from <laughs> his syllabus in preparation for mine. So basically, the class is an upper division history course, and it's got uh, it's kind of designed to be a seminar course. So there's seven students in the class now. There's potential to have more. But again, it's a small group. And the goal for the class is to kind of encourage these historians, these young undergraduates to think about using video games in the classroom, and then also perhaps to use video games to present their own research. Uh, and uh, the course goes through several weeks in which we kind of go through the history of historical video games. We start out in week one. Uh, talking about Oregon Trail. We go through week two, Sid Meier's Civilization Series. Uh, week three is kind of Assassin's Creed. Uh, but then eventually, the students begin to devise their own uh, historical video game. And I have them using the free software Twine in order to create basically what are text adventure games, uh, similar in nature kind of to Oregon Trail. But this is kind of gives them an opportunity to create a historical video game without necessarily having to have the background in coding uh, that you would traditionally need to have in order to create one of these games. Uh, so the uh, course, it's kind of a mixture of uh, having the students play games, creating their own games, uh, but then reading a lot of recent literature on historical video games. And some of that literature is written by academics. Some of it is written by journalists. Uh, and then some of it is just written by interested parties. Uh, and I'm really excited about teaching this class. Uh, we had our first class on Thursday, and I think it went pretty well. Everybody seemed pretty enthusiastic. Uh, quite a few people uh, in that class weren't necessarily familiar with uh, video games, but we're intrigued by the idea of kind of using different digital methods, using different methods in general, but particularly digital methods to create historical narratives. And I think that there's a good chance that you know, this game or this class is going to end up producing a lot of good content. And the whole course culminates uh, in the beginning of November. Uh, Louisiana Tech's on the quarter system, so class wraps up at the beginning of November, but 
the beginning of the no November, we're going to be having a uh, historical video game fest, which is going to be open to the university and the rest of the public in Ruston, Louisiana. And so hopefully we'll have a good crowd come in and uh, check out these students' games and uh, see what it's all about. Uh, and if you're interested in seeing the syllabus, I've posted a PDF version of the syllabus on historyrespond.com. So uh, with that, I thought I'd turn it over to John and ask him you know, what he thought of the syllabus and can maybe speak a little bit about your course mm -hmm. uh, at Center College. Sure. So I already like the syllabus. Probably because you said, you know, because well, we, it's funny, Bob, you say you cribbed off me. That's not really true. But we've talked a lot about this together anyway. So like I was talking to you, Bob, when I was doing my class and everything. Um, it's funny you mentioned that not all the students are necessarily, you know, in this purely from the game side. I've noticed that the two times I've taught it as well, where I had 30 people the first time and I uh, 15 the second time. In each occasion, there were a solid chunk of people who aren't even that into video games. It's like, mm -hmm. okay. And, you know, your reactions, I'm not, okay. I, w I was prepared for people who were into video games, but I needed to kind of corral into being historians and I wasn't ready for historians who were open-minded, but it's, it's, a, it's great. Those are great people to have in the class. I guess the big thing when I think about my class versus your class Bob my class is this intensive term that Centre College does in January 16 days where the students don't take any of their classes they just take my class we have them three hours a day and it's nice because it gives you opportunities to do things like a class like this but I find myself reading your syllabus Bob and I'm just envious of oh it'd be nice to do this over a semester you know because I'm looking at your schedule and you know people have is it a Tuesday Thursday is that your is that it's Tuesday Thursday so the the plan for the class is to have them basically come in on Tuesday mm -hmm. and we'll have discussion section basically on the articles that I've assigned. And then on Thursday, it's basically a play date awesome. where they come in, they come in having played the game mm -hmm. and written a response paper for it. Mm -hmm. But then we go through it as a class kind of talking about the nuts and bolts of it, kind of going into more detail. And it also gives me an opportunity to kind of, kind of tease out some of the points they may have written about mm -hmm. in their response paper. Yeah, that's awesome. And how long are the classes? 70 minutes, 75 minutes, 90 minutes? So it's it's almost two hours. It's, oh, that's uh, right. From noon, it's from noon until 1.50. Great. That's going to be yeah. great. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to hear how this goes as well. I'm glad the first day went well because I just look at it and I think, first of all, that's a really nice way to do it. But they're going to have time to digest, I suppose, as my old dissertation advisor used to say. You know, you can really kind of, you can have this cool discussion and they go off and do something else for, you know, four days and then come back to you. It's time to go and do other stuff and then think about it again and come back. And, you know, I just, that's an, that's an interesting shift in teaching from if you had them for that two-hour spell every day for two weeks, which is basically the class I taught. Right. There's pluses and minuses to both, obviously, right? But I, I'm, I'm excited to hear how that goes. Um, yeah. And the other thing looking through it is the reading, because something that you and I have talked a lot about is readings, right? These are the challenges, and I kind of, it's intriguing to me, I think this is the way to do it, to basically mix in readily available online readings that aren't quote-unquote academic with academic texts, and I think that's the way to do it, and I'm curious to hear in a few weeks' time if you have any significant conversations about kind of games writing. I mean, I know that you have to be careful, you don't want to distract the class from what you guys need to be doing as historians, but uh, I'm really interested to hear how they react to the work of, for example, Evan Narcisse and someone like that. Some of these really talented writers out there um, and how it compares to something like, you know, Adam Chapman or, or the History Spawn videos, do you know what I mean? Or your own readings you have on right. here. I, I'm, I'm yeah. really interested to hear how that works. Yeah, that was, a, I'm interested too. I don't know yet, but uh, that was kind of a something I was concerned about going in because, 
you know, this is designed to be a class for upper level history students. Mm -hmm. So this class is traditionally, this 490 class is traditionally where they write a, you know, research paper based on, you know, uh, original research. And this class is having them create a game Mm -hmm. based on original historical research. So it's, it's a bit awkward having them, you know, given the fact that they're dealing with a medium that's still kind of young, uh, it's a bit awkward just giving them academic writing because, as you know, and as I'm sure a lot of our listeners know, there really isn't that much academic writing on video games right. and uh, especially historical video games. And the stuff that's out there, I think, I, you know, I don't think I uh, am wrong in saying this. I think it tends to be very uh, theoretical, mm-hmm. which I think can distract from students who are trying to focus on their own research and their own writing. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to give them too much of that to start out with. I think a lot of that stuff, a lot of that work is really excellent, but not for these kinds of students, I think. Um, so there was, there was a conscious effort to kind of minimize contact with that writing, but then also to pepper in, like you said, this writing from non-historians, non-academics, uh, people who are very knowledgeable about games and can speak really well to traditional tropes, to traditional themes mm-hmm. in games, and then react to the history that's in these particular uh, historical video games. Yeah, I mean, I think that, it's, and and to kind of break it out, this is it's funny because it's I think it's a manifestation of an issue with teaching anyway, which is that we're both you know we're kind of at an interesting point where we're still it's still early in our careers in terms of teaching and, and how many reps we've had teaching and everything else. But at the same time, we're not completely green either, you know, but there's this ongoing attempt, even in, even in like my regular classes, sometimes I'm like, you know, how am I balancing the readings? What's, what's an appropriate pitch for an undergraduate class and everything else. Um, and I think that what you're doing in terms of having to make the game, uh, is going to help balance a lot of that out. And my experiences, and I'm very happy to say this was the case. And I think you'll have the same experience, Bob, is that, you know, the students just dug in. Like, I didn't it really... The fir- I remember the first time I taught the class, I was a little worried, uh, my class, that is, I was a little worried about, well, what if they just don't want to? You know, what if they don't want to go and find primary sources about the topic that they chose? And that just... Neither of the two times was that a problem. And so, if anything, it gives you... Hopefully, it'll give you a bit of freedom because in order to do the research for their game, they'll be off finding historical texts. You'll be helping them, right? You'll be helping them kind of find stuff if they if they ask you for the help. And then the readings in class are different. It's about informing discussion. And so if you have, you know, their Twine game is going to come up a lot and they can talk about it. And and Twine is great that way, of course, because Twine is essentially, because it's text-based, um, they can be creative in what they choose to do and how they choose to structure it. But right. um, my experience of Twine has been very good. And so I was interested to see that. So, uh, and sorry, so are, are they each doing individual projects? Or are they doing a project as a group? Actually, sorry, I missed you know, that on the syllabus. Yeah, I'm having them do individual projects. Yeah. And I'm telling them that I would like them to write a Twine game that's the equivalent of a 10 to 15 page paper. Yeah. Uh, because uh, on the first day of class, uh, I actually gave them an example of a Twine game called uh, Surviving History, The Fever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which was uh, on the Appendix Journal online. Uh, and that game is a Twine game, but it also comes with, I think, 20 different endings. And, wow. you know, kind of the rule of thumb <laughs> with Twine games is that the more endings you have, the more writing it requires. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that the uh, the creator 
of that game, uh, uh, a woman named uh, Rachel Ponce, uh, she wrote uh, kind of a dev blog about this. And she said that, you know, given the number of innings, she ended up having to write, I think it was like forty to 50,000 words in order to complete that game. That's uh, a master's so thesis I, right there. It is, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I... I don't want them to do that. <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got, it is a quarter. Uh, right. It's a, you know, basically 11 weeks. So that's not enough time to do something like that. But I'd say, you know, a 10 to 15 page based mm-hmm. uh, twine game. I think they can pull that off. And I told them, you know, based on your experience saying, you know, essentially that you can create a twine game, you know, within however many days a center term is. So I think that kind of encouraged them uh, to think about, you know, what kind of project they can create and not be necessarily daunted by the task before them. Yeah, and I think you were clever to pick Twine as well because this is something that, you know, we've talked about, I've gone back and forth on, but Twine's actually great because one person across a quarter can definitely make a Twine game. And, and there's still little bits and pieces. I had a group in January that were trying to add audio and, and video because, or not video, but audio, and you can definitely add images without too much difficulty you know and you can go into the online community and find plugins and stuff so what's nice about twine is it reduces the technical issues that might arise and because sometimes the students really really get excited about what they could do technically um which is good and bad in my experience because sometimes you're excited about it and you're happy for them but you also are like you know you could spend that time reading a secondary source or or or, you know or or, you know you it's it's you you're kind of you have to kind of re-communicate why you asked them to do the thing they're doing but no i twine i found twine to be really exciting and yeah the example you gave them the fee, the um surviving history game that's that's cool like i'm gonna i'll include a link to it in the podcast description so people can check it out if they haven't seen it because it's uh it's a it was a very cool piece of work yeah uh and that was actually based on a suggestion i got from posting the syllabus on facebook so uh, i think i, I saw that yeah that. i think i was yes. on the group on facebook yeah uh yeah so uh you know and i i posted the syllabus online not not necessarily for self-promotional sake but to kind of get these ideas out in public mm-hmm. and to see if anybody has done something similar and to see if they've got better readings you know because i think this field is very much in its infancy and as far as I know, you and I are the only person who really taught a class like this. So I think it'd be useful, at least for us, maybe for other people to have something to go off of for a conversation about what are the best reading sources? What are the best technologies to use for these types of courses? You know, what has your experience been? And I, you know, I'm planning on writing kind of a, a debrief about my experience with the syllabus uh, and with this class uh, sometime in the winter, maybe maybe after uh, the term is done, but uh, definitely at some point just to kind of keep the conversation going and kind of try to build uh, build out a new, not necessarily a new discipline, but definitely a sub-discipline that I think is worth pursuing. Yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to reading that and I'd love to do a post-mortem as well, if you like, for the podcast here, History Respond. I mean, I think it'd be great and I... I it's funny because when I've looked for classes like this, you find computer scientists teaching classes. And I'm, I certainly don't say that as a slight on computer science at all, but computer scientists and historians are doing two different things. 
uh, very different things. And and when I first started it in Centre College, I was definitely supported at Centre. But you reach out and try to have conversations with people, and it's funny. And this isn't this isn't limited to video game studies either. But you, you're trying to do something a little bit different or new, and people tend to kind of you try and describe it, and they kind of translate it into what they think it's going to be. And that was that was a challenge. That, yes. and, it, and it continues to be a challenge. And there's a lot of interesting writing out on games, but you're right. There's a lot of game study stuff, which isn't really what we do. Um, there's great stuff on narratology, which I quite enjoy reading, but isn't historical work. It's different from historical work. Um, it opens up. So, I mean, the, I think the readings are a great thing. I, I, I'm here thinking, I'm just looking through your syllabus and I'm noticing um, your decision to focus on essentially iOS games, which I think was a good idea in terms of the quote-unquote assigned games. For yeah, 80 I days. should I should run down those. You should. I yeah. should run down those. Do it. Yeah, because listeners obviously can't can't see. Yeah, what sorry, we're listeners. About. I keep forgetting you. To no, it's my fault. It's my fault. Uh, so for this game, I have uh, all of the readings are basically drawn from uh, free online sources, uh, and then I've got a set uh, of software for the game, and a section of that is free software, and a section is uh, uh, basically pay to play software. So uh, for the free software, I've got uh, Surviving History, The Fever, which was the, the Twine game we were just talking about on the appendix.net. I've also got uh, The Organ Trail, which uh, the 1990 and I think the 1992 versions of that game are available on archive.org. Uh, and they've got kind of a, a MS-DOS box emulator available, and that's all free. Uh, then I've got uh, a version of Civilization that's free uh, called Free Civ, and that's available to play on freeCiv.org. And I think I think it was a couple of years ago they updated Free Civ so that it's no longer Civ One, but it's actually an emulation or uh, a version, a free version of Civ Two. It looks like they updated the graphics a bit on that. Uh, and then I've got them playing uh, or downloading a free version of Minecraft, uh, Minecraft Education Edition. Uh, and if you've got a EDU email, actually, you can download this uh, for yourself. Uh, and the reason I'm having them do that is because the Museum of London, uh, in commemoration of the uh, Fire of London in 1666, has actually created a series of maps for uh, the London Fire in which they've recreated London uh, in the first map uh, before the fire, second map is during the fire, and then the third map, which comes out later this fall, is actually uh, the aftermath of the Great Fire of 1666. Uh, and then I'm having them uh, get Twine, which is a free game development software. Uh, and then for the, the pay games, I have them buying 80 Days uh, by Inkle Studios, uh, 1979 Revolution, uh, which has been the subject for History Respond episode. Uh, and then finally, Valiant Hearts uh, by Ubisoft, which was uh, uh, one of our least successful uh, History Respond episodes. But one, but, but one of our better ones. So you got you to oh, let yourself you. I, stop beating yourself I, up over that, Bob. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, but so those are the games that we're, we're kind of talking about here. And, uh, you know, like John mentioned, uh, I went with games, uh, the pay games. I went with pay games that were available on iOS because I assumed that most of the people in my class would have an iOS device, uh, you know, either an iPhone or an iPad. Uh, and even if they don't, even if they just have a PC, these are games that will probably run on just about any PC. 
So I Mm -hmm. I feel, and I asked, I made a point of asking the students on the first day of class what kind of technology they had. And I'd say half the class had a modern console, PS4 or an Xbox One. Uh, And then the rest of them had iOS devices. So I think think Mm -hmm. we'll be okay with the technology side of things. Yeah, it's funny because... um... I have the same thing where students have consoles, but I don't have a console, actually. But this is the beauty of more and more games being on everything. Um, And you kind of have that ethical concern just in case there's somebody. Um, But typically, the students have have access to it. And it's great, actually, because I was thinking I'm teaching a Vietnam class and my desk copies just never showed up. So um, I have had to experience my students, you know, I have had to develop empathy by buying the same books my student bought. So I'm very happy to say that I actually built a reading list for my Vietnam class with their wallets in mind, um, which is just as well, because when I had to pay. <laughs> but I feel like our old friend Mark Lawrence from uh, Texas, I've bought him a couple of pints now. Maybe he can get me one when I go back there. Um, <laughs> no, but it's great. I think I think it's I think it's great. And I think those are, I mean, 80 Days, uh, 1979 Revolution and Valiant Hearts are all games that are going to get conversations going. I have a, I have in the, I have brought a laptop in and just run games off my laptop and talked about them. One day we played um, Sid Meier's Colonization. We played it for an hour and a half together. Um, do you think you might try anything like that on one of the Thursdays? I know you have playthroughs of yeah. Oregon Trail and Civilization. Yeah. So this, I kind of wanted to talk about this difficulty I had mm-hmm. with creating this syllabus. On on the one hand, I wanted them to be able to play the games, but I also wanted them to analyze the games mm-hmm. and critique them based on their knowledge of history. Uh, But at the same time, I wanted them to be able to read about the games first. So it was a conflict on the sense that, well, do I play the games on Tuesday when they haven't read anything about it? Or do I play them on Thursday after they've read a little bit about them? Mm -hmm. So I went with that second option. Uh, But what that means is that uh, they basically are playing the game while they're reading content about it. Yeah. And then we don't talk about it until Thursday. So uh, that was a little bit difficult to kind of decide on. But I think, like you said, my plan is to bring in a laptop, maybe use Mm -hmm. a computer on campus and play the games uh, together on Thursday. And I think for the first week, at least, uh, that's going to be pretty simple because I can boot up, you know, uh, Oregon Trail on MS-DOS uh, you know, using archive.org with mm-hmm. just any browser, right? Uh, and not necessarily awesome. have you know full powered computer there. So yeah, that's the plan so far. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's great. I think this is a this is a fun. I'm glad you're doing it too because it's it's and obviously we can exchange notes and everything afterwards because you get into all these ideas. It's 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 funny. It, it keeps occurring to me as much as this is a new field, and I think it's difficult trying to chart out what kind of discussions to have and everything else. It's funny to me, at least I think how many issues are kind of recurrent through teaching anyway. So for example, I was just scribbling down as we were getting ready to record today, um, the kind of readings you give a student. So when I think of, um, you know, some of the readings available, like you could really like, I'm always worried. What if I get a student who's really into this stuff and they want to do the deep dive stuff? Do you know what I mean? So like for them, Evan Narcisse is like too mainstream or something. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but of course, you know, but it's like anything else. It's like, well, we're trying to hit a balance. And so the beauty is once you get them all with a foundation, I, I think, I, I, don't, I think in the end you struck the right balance because I know what you mean. They're reading while playing, but then... It, it, I think the Thursday conversations will go better because you've had that prime Tuesday will have primed Thursday, which is obviously how you planned it. And I, I think I think that's a good idea. I think that's the I natural so. way to do it. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of run down the topics uh, for those of you listening, um, the first week of the class, 
or week two uh, essentially is uh, Oregon Trail and edutainment, kind of talking about educational video games, uh, games designed to be educational. Uh, uh, second week is going to be uh, kind of a a week on uh, Sid Meier and his uh, Civilization series, as well as kind of discussing uh, resource management games, grand strategy games, mm-hmm. uh, 4X games, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the week after that, we're going to be talking about uh, history uh, in kind of big budget AAA games. Uh, and it's a week called uh, History or Window Dressing. And we're going through the Assassin's Creed series uh, and the Call of Duty series. Uh, the week after that, I've got kind of a, what you might call a uh, aspirational week in which it's <laughs> talking about uh, historians in the gaming industry. And that's either historians writing about games or historians who are participating in the creation mm-hmm. of games. And then I just confirmed on that week, October, uh, or the week of October the 4th, I'm going to Skype in with uh, Lisa Rosner. Oh, awesome. Uh, who's a uh, uh, historian uh, who's creating a game called The Pox Hunter. Uh, and so she's going to uh, be able to talk with the students and kind of hopefully give them some advice about uh, creating their own uh, historical video games. Uh, and then week six, uh, I'm going to be doing a couple of classes on this idea of historical accuracy in quotes in video games, this issue of, in particular, of racial representation in historical video games. And we've got some really good readings uh, for that week. Uh, and then following that, there's a week on decolonizing the digital past, attempting to kind of promote games or discuss games that are trying to break out of this traditional mode for historical video games that are focused just on Western European or even more specifically uh, Anglo-American mm-hmm. histories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the way we play 1979 Revolution. Uh, and then uh, week eight, October 25th, 27th, we're going to be spending a week kind of talking about games as touch points for modern memory. Uh, and the main focus for that week will be historical video games about the First World War. Uh, and the reason I picked that week to talk about that is because that is the week of the release of uh, Battlefield 1. Mm-hmm. So there might be an opportunity to to bring in my PlayStation 4 (laughs) (laughs) into the classroom uh, and play that. Uh, Week 9, I'm having the students actually create a lesson plan uh, for a historical game of their choosing, attempting to create a lesson plan for a history classroom, either a high school class or a college class, and using a video game uh, to create a lesson plan for one of those courses. I've got a couple of students in that class who are actually training to be secondary uh, secondary level educators. Very so, cool. Very cool. Uh, they might do one for a high school class. Uh, and then week 10 is the big show. It's the uh, Playing the Past Game Festival. And that one is going to be open to the public. So we'll see how that goes. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm excited about the um, the students doing lesson plans. That's a great idea. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just, you know, I know... The history department at Louisiana Tech, one of their big points of emphasis is having uh, this essentially, you know, system for training historians who are going to teach secondary schools, maybe even middle schools Mm -hmm. uh, around the state and then elsewhere. So it just seemed to make sense. And also, I mean, (laughs) I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but also I'm very interested for my own self to see what kind of lesson plans they come up with. So maybe I can. 
that can crib crib from their <laughs> ideas. Basically, you find out from following this podcast that I just steal other people's ideas and then yeah, and then promote it as my own. That's that's how you get ahead in life. Yeah, we had no success till we started stealing ideas, and ever since then it's been going really well. So we're just going <laughs> to stick with what wins. Now I now I, I'm excited about it, and I think the big thing I think opening the ending to people and inviting people is great, and I think that uh, I'm really excited to hear about it. Um, and I'm excited to hear, you know, certainly people should contact you, right, Bob? If you're listening to this podcast, it sounds like fun. You should get in touch with us and get in touch with Bob and, and let him know what you think or if it sounds good. Yeah. So, again, the syllabus is online. It's on historyrespawn.com. And you can reach me at my work email address, which is Whitaker uh, at LaTeX, L-A-T-E-C-H dot E-D-U. They've never had a Whitaker at Louisiana Tech? Nope. I'm wow. the first one. That's a... For those of you who don't work in academia or a big company, it's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet work email right there, Bob. I, I am the Whitaker, <laughs> the, the only one that has ever been. <laughs> yeah, most of my colleagues actually uh, have their first name attached to their last name uh, with their work email address, but I'm the only one who's just the last name. Nice. You know? So my calling card. It's like Sting or Prince, you know. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, I would I would rather have a, a shorter, you know, one name. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I really like Neymar. That's really good. Um, I've always thought about. Oh, they that just call a... him Neymar Junior in Brazil. It ruins it. Like it's just you know yeah, what are you guys doing? Whoever yeah. Neymar Senior is, he must be very important to Brazilians. I don't know. The rest of the world doesn't know who he is. I've also always liked. Uh, there's a Brazilian NBA player named Nene, and then there's another football star named Kaká. Yeah, Kaká is a like good those. one. Yeah, those are good. All right. Well, uh, I think that does it for our syllabus talk. You got anything else? No, I'm. You know, I'm excited to hear about the syllabus. Uh, I mean, to hear how the class goes. I think the syllabus is great. I'm particularly excited to hear how it works over a whole semester and um also if the students are okay with you making the games public i'd love to see what they come up with i mean i've had great experiences with it and i, I think your students are going to do some cool stuff so i hope i hope we get a chance to see it perhaps yeah i talked to them about that and first of all i had to make sure that they were okay with presenting it to the public mm -hmm. which for the most part they were and then after that i said you know would you be willing to have these games posted online somewhere either on latex website or maybe on historyrespawn.com mm -hmm. and they seemed they seemed okay with that idea. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, they, I think they'll feel better towards the end. Once they see that they've actually done something real, yes. <laughs> they'll feel yes. much more confident about sharing this it point, with the world. At this point, they're just in a class with this crazy guy who I says, know. you're going to build a video game in 11 <laughs> weeks. It's going to be great. Get to work. Pick any historical topic you like. It's going to be awesome. You know, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I thought we'd wrap up briefly by kind of talking about what we've been playing uh, outside of history respawn work so i guess why don't you go ahead and john tell me tell us tell the listeners um, what you've been doing. my life of being the father of a two and a half year old continues so i haven't spread things out as much as i would like um i'm still playing dark souls 3 i don't know if i was playing that at the last podcast where we talked uh, the dark Souls series as i've told bob off recording has bizarrely become something i play to uh calm myself down if i'm busy I'm not entirely sure how that works. I guess focusing all of my energy on my controller uh, somehow distracts me from the various things I've been doing at work all day. Um, I've got back into Heroes of the Storm because I can actually play a 20-minute game. I 
Dota is officially something I'll play in another lifetime. I just can't play it in this life. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited. I haven't played much of them yet, but the latest Humble Bundle Monthly, which I subscribe to, has a couple of good um, historical games. It has the Banner Saga, which I actually Ooh. played on my phone and really liked. And the art in that game is really, really nice. And so I, I'm really looking forward to playing it again on my computer um, and then maybe moving on to, to Banner Saga 2. And I, I, I think the Banner Saga series is definitely a prime contender for a History Respond episode, hopefully early next year, perhaps. Awesome. Um, I would like to, I think it'd be great. Um, it's got kind of an interesting, it's got Epistory, which is a typing game. I didn't know they still made those. Um, which you play a muse in what seems like some kind of an interestingly, it's definitely not an historical game, but I'm always intrigued by these games that, don't portray themselves as historical games but clearly borrow from classic historical themes Mm -hmm. um and then finally there's a game the town of salem which my good colleague tara strauch who is an expert in american religion i think she visibly shuddered when i described it to her um (laughs) it's a party game in it's a classic party game like mafia or werewolf where you join a faction and you murder each other or I, i don't even know but i i'm looking forward to playing more history games so town of salem and banner saga are on my my radar and otherwise i've just been marching around playing dark souls 3 and dying numerous times so Mm. not much of a i guess with the new semester starting and my teaching history classes my on some subconscious level i've had less urgency to play historical games at least for now how about you bob well so i've been playing through uh tales from the borderlands which is Mm. uh Telltale's uh, adaptation of the Borderlands series. And I think this is a game that came out, it might have come out all in calendar year 2015. Maybe one episode came out early this year. But uh, it's very much in the mold of Telltale's other games, uh, the Walking Dead series. Uh, you know, they recently came out with a Batman game. There was a Game of Thrones version of this. And so it follows that kind of same adventure game style mm-hmm. and it's very much in vain with their other games and you know i'd kind of gotten tired of those games and so i was very hesitant to pick this game up but so many people online uh, particularly in the games press had recommended this game because uh, it had such good writing in it and also great voice work and i would say for my opinion the game has excellent voice work uh, troy baker does the voice of the lead character. Uh, Nolan North is a couple of the characters in the game. Uh, And all the other voice work is really good. Uh, Chris Hardwick, uh, actually, uh, who's kind of famous for uh, the Nerdist podcast and all sorts of TV shows, he's in it as well. So the voice work is great, but I have to say that the narrative, the writing has really been disappointing so far. And I think with those games that if the writing isn't really good, it's kind of hard to maintain because the game, the games themselves are not really that fun to play. Um, and, you know, you're really doing nothing more in those games than selecting dialogue choices yeah. and occasionally, you know, doing quick time events, but mostly dialogue choices. And if those dialogue choices aren't really interesting or if you're not interested in the overall story, then it it makes it a tough slog. And I've mm-hmm. just completed episode three and there's total episodes of five and i just i don't know mm. i don't know if i can continue that's a pity to hear because i it looks like such a great um game but the telltale series is like that isn't it that's it might have been my experience if i'm in yeah I, I i'll always get to episode two but if by episode three i'm iffy that's it it just dies and 
I think Walking Dead season one to date is probably still their greatest success in terms of narrative and everything else. And there's this famous choice quite early in Walking Dead season one where you you know you're 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 the zombies are at the are at the door. You're locked in this pharmacy. You got to choose between two characters, and it's it's this funny for me at least. And I know I've read about this online from other people feeling the same way. It's such a aha moment. Like oh, this game works. You know, like I care about which one of these people to go for. And that sums up those quick time events because they're meaningless if the writing hasn't established a connection between you and characters or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. ah, I'm kind of bummed to hear that, but but they're marching along. I've heard good things about the Batman game. Um, yeah. And so kind of People seem go. to like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Walking Dead season three debuts. I think late next month. I want to say maybe it's early November. Mm-hmm. So I mean they're doing well. Uh, I'm happy for them, but at the same time I think. I think I might be checking out uh, their future releases. I just, it's not, it's not been really enjoyable. Uh, I would say that I, I got it on a, I got Tales from the Borderlands on sale on PlayStation Network. Mm-hmm. It only cost $5. So for $5, it was worth right. knowing. Right. But at the same time, it's, it's still disappointing. You know, when your expectations mm-hmm. are high and, uh, you know, I played uh, The Wolf Among Us during the summer. Uh, through PlayStation Now, and that was really excellent. So mm-hmm. it kind of got me jazzed about trying Tales from the Borderlands, and I'm sorry to say that I'm not I'm not a big fan. Yeah, that's I'm, so, I'm kind of sorry to hear that. It's funny though, bringing it back around as well to the class you've just started. You know, when I taught my class, um, this idea of what constitutes a work of history and what constitutes, you know, when can a work of fiction be considered an interesting contribution to the historical conversation right and i have a pretty liberal interpretation of that you know um like i think game of thrones is a contribution to historical conversations whether or not it's intended to be Mm. but you know you're talking there about dialogue choices versus quick time actions and so on your students are going to make twine games which are entirely either dialogue choices or good old-fashioned text adventure type choices um and what i found to be rewarding and i look forward to hearing your experiences with your students you know, your students will involve you, they'll talk to you, they'll they'll let you know what they're trying to do, planning to do. And you do get into these very interesting decisions about, okay, what is this going to be? So um, whether it's a discussion about artistic license or about how they want to shape things, how much they can change things. And my answer was always not a lot, you know, like, uh, you, why would you create a character? You have all these primary sources. You're telling me Raul Castro isn't an interesting character, an interesting person, you know. Um, but that you know that i think those tensions are going to be really interesting because look at the games we described that we're currently playing you're playing a very narrative heavy um dialogue game and i'm playing i mean Dark, the dark souls series is the most quote unquote video gamey stuff that i play these days like i'm very i'm old man now i like my story games and i like space games i guess um and dark souls is the only it's a very complex dark and depressing version of like you know the Mega Man games in terms of what you're actually doing which is just playing a very complicated thing um, and Twine is great because it takes them away from worrying about trying to match things so if they were trying to use Unity or something like that depending on the students the students might feel oh well we can't make it look such a way or we can't get the action to be the way that we want it Twine is fantastic because it, it just completely removes that problem but I'm really curious to to hear as the weeks go by how your students are kind of engaging with the issue of okay what does this look like how do we build it and, yeah. and how that you know and how that engages with their work as historians that's what makes it cool i mean i'm i'm very old fashioned as a teacher i'm a big believer in writing papers big big believer in students writing papers but but the huge advantage of a project like this um 
it really opens it up and, it, and it, i think it's gonna i really look forward to hearing how they take it i'm too yeah i can't wait i'm really excited um i had a couple of students actually come up to me after class on thursday and actually already begin to think about what history they wanted to cover so and both of those sounded really interesting both those projects so i'm enthusiastic i think they're enthusiastic and we'll see how it turns out um so with that uh, that's going to do it for us here at history respawn thanks again for listening if you could please try rating us on itunes uh, or leaving us a review it really does help people find the podcast uh and if you are feeling especially generous you can donate to History Respond on Patreon.com. And with that, have a good week.